to the third edition of Winter Term here with Puck Talk. My name is Jack Woods. And let me tell you something, folks. I am really, really excited about this show. Glenn Blackwell, part of Penalty Box Radio, is coming on. She is the co-host of the Wednesday night show at 8 p.m. Glenn, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Spider Jack. How are you? I am so good. I'm so glad you're here. We haven't seen any hockey in Nashville in a while, but let me tell you something. It is 32 degrees here in Greencastle. It felt like negative six two days ago, so right now we are living in Miami paradise weather over here. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? How's everything down in Nashville? It's fantastic. I think yesterday it um, it warmed up to about 32 or 33. Um, so warming up to that means it was pretty cold. And <laughs> I don't I don't do cold well. If it's colder than 60 degrees, I'm I'm inside under three blankets with a cat on top of me. So, but it's definitely definitely hockey weather, like you said. We don't have any predators this week. But it's hockey weather. Which, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean... You know, I know. We, I, think, I, I think we all needed a break. I think we all saw what we saw. You know, we got a little mm-hmm. bit of good news that Colton Sissons is doing that rehab assignment in yes. Milwaukee. But other than that, I just think everybody's just emotionally exhausted. We just like, hey, we need a break. I think you're right. I think the fans need a break. I think the Preds need a break. I think that they ended on a good note and they went into this this break week I, I still want to call it a bye week and it's not <laughs> technically just I mean you know everybody's on it but I think that we they went off on a good note and then now we're going to maybe hopefully after the all-star game kind of get to see that second level that we know that the team's capable of so I think that all of us just needed to take a step back I think they need to regroup. Now they've got a new head coach that's been there for a little bit of time. They've got a new system that they've been working through. So I think that a nice little break sometimes does everybody good. Well, and going off of that, you know, you sort of look back on the first half of the year. Preds had had the lightest schedule in terms of games played in the NHL. They played a lot fewer games. And looking forward, they got a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of, you know, three, four nights in a row with a game and, you know, their bodies are going to be tired, they're going to be tired, but looking forward, do you think that playing more games in a shorter span is going to help this team gel together, it's going to help them build it up, or do you think that it's just going to serve as a detriment? I can hope that it's going to benefit them, but the reality is, is that when we watch this team struggle like you mentioned on the lighter half of the season and this is where they are at and this is what they're consistently showing us it kind of makes me worry a little bit if on the back end it's heavier how do they navigate that space um if you're not really able to knock it out of the park on the lighter half of the season what are you going to do on all those back-to-back so it's a little concerning but at the same time um, you know, a lot of the fan base here in Nashville for years has always known, you know, Pecorino is known for doing better when he's pushed to that limit, right? Yeah. And so maybe maybe this team under a new coach with a new system kind of needs that extra 
push of, hey, this is going to be really difficult. Y'all are going to have to find different ways to navigate through um, maybe something that you didn't deal with on the front half of the season. So very, very interesting, a little concerning, but I think that we all know that they are capable. It's just a matter of do they all get themselves mentally prepared enough to go in night in and night out so it's just uh it's kind of up in the air right now i can't really say for sure i can hope but i don't know it's it's that inconsistent the inconsistency this season has made me struggle with the confidence going forward to try to even push to get enough points to even get a wild card spot at this point well yeah and and they're still out of a wild card spot so again exactly but at the same time I don't think they have too steep of a hill to climb. They just got to mm-hmm. they they just got to find that groove, find that ten game stretch where they win, you know, eight of them or at least get a point. But mm-hmm. before we get into what we had planned before the show, I wanted to ask you what your favorite part about the first half was. Now this is you know take away the Pecorine goal. What has been the best part? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I have to make it a little bit tough. I have to make it a little bit tough. Okay, okay. What has been I think, the best part? I think for me watching was that the, the hot start that they started off with in October, um, that's the team that I think a lot of us thought we were going to be watching most of the season, right? Not every team is going to have a perfect season, but I think that all of us saw that jump that they started off with, and we're like, wow. This is the team that we knew existed at Bridgestone Arena. We knew this, and now all these cylinders are clicking together, and they looked fantastic. And then the hardest part was watching that trail off with no explanation whatsoever. Um, But I have to say that that jump gave, you know, I think it gave everybody in Nashville hope that this team was going to possibly take it all the way this year. Um, And then a lot of questions started to arise as to where did October go? Where did that team go? So I think for me overall, that was probably the most exciting because it gave me a lot of hope for where this team was headed. And, and, and that hope isn't gone by any mm-hmm. any sort of means. It's just, it's there. We just haven't seen it. It's like, it's yeah. like... It's like me in the winter when it comes to working out. The abs are there, but the cookies and the pudding and everything is sort of piling on top of it right now. They're there. We just we just got to find that that second gear to get back into ab shape, if you will. Yep. It's just a, it's just another level, right? When you get there, it's very visible. It's obvious, but until we get there, you know. And until then, uh, my sweetheart is going to be really disappointed. Um, anyways. <laughs> Give me and- something to look forward to. That'll be for October when that happens. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Um, yeah, going going right into it. I guess what has surprised you? Maybe not necessarily in terms of wins and losses mm-hmm. or, you know, how the team has been playing overall, but just what has really stuck out, maybe like a sore elbow or maybe like a nice little surprise? What what has really grabbed your attention? Um, I guess primarily just overall in general, just the underwhelming performance that, that's coming from such an incredibly talented roster, right? And then looking at the top four point leaders right now, two of them being defensemen, when you make, you know, you're made up of a team with Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne and, you know, Ryan Johansson, you're thinking, 
okay, these are these are the guys at the very top, right? And so I think that just knowing that that roster is there, I think I was most surprised at how underwhelmed I've been with some of the key players on this team. Um, and then, you know, completely, completely opposite from that, Pecorino getting his goal that you took away from me earlier. I have to say it. <laughs> I was so... I was not. I can't really say I was truly surprised because I think one day I knew it was coming, but it did take me by surprise when it actually happened. <laughs> okay, so b- before we got to take enough, right? <laughs> before we take a quick seventeen second, and I do mean seventeen second break. Okay, I'll be counting. I was. I I was so tired that night. I, I was I had done a lot of work for the fantastic WGRE winter term here. You know, I I had made a PSA. I had gotten some survey answers. Like I I was tired, and I was laying in bed, and I knew that they were going to win. And then mm-hmm. I just kind of thought that Pecorino was just going to ice the puck. And then I thought I, I had this like. I guess flashback to when Philip Forsberg threw the puck down the ice in game six against Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not going, that's going, oh, it went in! It went in! <laughs> I freaked out when I saw that. I don't know if it's just because I wasn't expecting it, but oh my mm-hmm. gosh, Glenn, I lost it. I, 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 I know. I screamed. Like, what was that moment like for you when Rene scored that goal? I honestly felt like a proud mother. <laughs> I really did. Because he is such a great guy. He's just a great guy. And so when you see great people rewarded with something that you know means the world to them, I kind of just felt choked up and I got chilled and I just, I think I squealed. I can't remember. <laughs> I was just so excited and happy for him because he deserved that. He earned that. He's tried it plenty of times before, and he wanted it so bad. And I think all—I think all of us watching, seeing his—I mean, he was beaming. He was beaming. He looked like a kid at Christmas. And of course, you can't <laughs> help but just go to bed. Like I think I went to sleep smiling. Um, <laughs> so I was just thrilled for him. I was so so happy. I still—I'm smiling right now talking about it. You—you you can't help but smile because he is such. I know. A, such an upstanding member of the community take away all of the accomplishments he's got a Vesna. he's he's made a stanley cup final appearance if he doesn't make the hall of fame without a cup but with a goalie goal i it's obviously biased it's obviously rigged oh yeah and if there's not a statue if there's not a statue of him outside at some point at Bridgestone Arena, I will riot. No, you can't. You can't. You can't ignore it. That, he's he's for all the Indianapolis folks out here. Pecorino to the National Predators is what Peyton Manning is to the Indianapolis Peyton Colts. Manning, yep. Yeah, just sh- across the board, folks. We're going to take a 17 second break. The Beach Boys is going to tell you what station you're listening to. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE. Just in case they don't make that point clear enough. I'm picking up good vibrations. Hi, this is Michael of the Beach Boys. We're always picking up good vibrations on 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Folks, I'm 
folks, we got some great vibrations here as Glenn Blackwell, Penalty Box Radio, is joining me here today. Glenn, we're talking Nashville Predators. We're talking what this team needs to do uh, the, the latter half of the year. And we saw October, and then we saw November, December, and January. So given the level the Preds has played in the first half, can fans reasonably expect a massive turnaround? I think that you can possibly anticipate that because, like we talked about earlier, you know, you've got a new coach on the bench. You've got new systems in play, and they're working through trying to figure out where everybody belongs, where everybody does best, what doesn't work. And so I think that after this break, I mean, sometimes a break really does, it just reinvigorates people, right? And it gets players, it's like something almost, a a switch almost flips. And it's like, you know what? I'm ready to get back out there and I'm ready to I'm ready to show this team what I've got. And I think that if everybody on that team can mentally get themselves to a place where they're playing their best hockey, if they can mentally get themselves there, there's no doubt in my mind that it's a, a turnaround will happen because that's the caliber of every single player on the ice. Now, if they don't get there, all we're going to see is the same inconsistency that we've seen throughout the first part of the season. So, yes, it is. I think it's 100% possible if they buy into the system, coach finds where everybody works best, and they go out and they implement that every single night, it's hard to lose because we do know, like, we've, like we talked about earlier, we saw it in October when they knew the game they were playing they went out there and they played their game right, and they did it night in and night out. So as long as they do that, I'm very, very confident that a turnaround can happen, and the numbers will then add up. Right now, you know, like we said, they're on pace for, I think, maybe somewhere in the mid-80s. I hadn't, done them, I hadn't crunched the numbers yet, but maybe like 84 or so points. That's not going to really even get you a wild card spot. So if they continue on the path they are now, nothing's really going to change. But if they if they get that mental place in that mental place where they're out there playing their best game, you can't help but turn around at that point. Well, I mean, maybe all they need to do is go to the beach for a couple of days, or you know, go back home to Canada, or you know, like, like you said, a break always helps. And yeah. one guy who really doesn't need a break, and I'm glad that he's going to the All Star Game, is Roman Yossi because Roman Yossi has 48 points in 47 games, including 16 power play points. Is second on the team in goals, tied with Nick Benino, elite goal scorer Nick Benino. I mean, Roman Yossi is the reason that the Predators still have a chance. And yep. going off of that. You look at all the star forwards, the top six, uh, and Kyle Turris, and you look at all of these guys who are underperforming and who do need to step it up. I mean, is this just a down year in terms of production? And we say down year. I I think that's a fair statement to say that this is a down year. Is this a down year for the Predators' offense? Even though it shouldn't be, is this just a down year? And will things be back again next year or in the latter half of the season or do you just kind of have to accept that this is what the Predators offense is 
I think that it's off because I don't think that I can accept that this is just who they are. When you look at who this team is made up of, um, I mean, looking at Roman Yossi, like you said, he, he's pulling so much weight. He's doing everything on the ice. And, I mean, you look at his shots compared to everyone else on the team, 170 shots, and then Philip Forsberg is second to him with 131. And then it just goes down from there. So it shows he's taking chances, a lot of chances. And when you repeatedly take chances, it usually ends up working out for you. But when you're when you're not, it doesn't. So I think that when you look at everybody that's on this team, I mean, they're way more than they're performing right now. They are way more than where they are in the standings right now. They're way more than we're seeing every other night because every so often we're getting those glimpses and we know, oh, my gosh, that's it. That's the team. That's the team that I know exists. And then two nights later, we're seeing a slower team. We're seeing a team that's not taking as many chances. We're seeing a team that doesn't really want to go to the dirty areas. And and they're not producing. So I think that it's very, very hard to say, you know, this is just, it is what it is. Because it's not that this is a crappy team. This is a very, very talented roster. I think that they're just in and out. Obviously, David Poyle knew that something needed to change when he let go of Peter Laviolette. Obviously, there was something off with this team that needed adjusting. And David Foyle thought, you know what? This is where we need a change. Let's bring in John Hine. And so I think that I feel comfortable saying this team can do way better than they're doing now. And I am confident that if they go out there, believe in, believe in themselves again, go out there and do it, then we'll see that team that we saw in October for sure. Yeah, and, you know, you look at... Victor Arvidsson, who in my opinion has been the missing piece this year. Victor Arvidsson only has 20 points. He has 11 goals, but even so, that's just a little bit off. Now, <clears throat> if you looked at last year's stats with Victor Arvidsson, you would think that he was on the on par with Alex Ovechkin. Unfortunately, that's just not the truth. Victor Arvidsson, however, in the 2017-2018, when the Predators won the President's Trophy... He had 247 shots on goal in 78 games played. And you look at this year, he has less than 100 shots on goal in le- in 35 games in 35 games played. He has 81 shots in 35 games. That's a little bit over 2 shots a game. That is extremely uncharacteristic of a guy who is meant to just say, screw it, throwing the puck on the net. I mean, there's yeah. a reason Victor Arvidsson scores so many goals, and it's because he throws the puck on the net. Why do you think Victor Arvidsson just hasn't been able to get the shot that he's looking for, or why is he just holding onto the puck, looking for a pass? Why is Victor Arvidsson not being Victor Arvidsson right now? That's a good question, because if I knew the answer, I'd walk into the locker room and I would have a couple of things to say. <laughs> But but in reality, I mean that's that's where that's where when you look at the numbers, you get thrown a little bit. Like yes, Roman Yossi is I mean, he's a North caliber player, but he's he's our leading defenseman. He shouldn't have the hundred and seventy shots. The hundred and seventy shots should be coming from players like Victor Arvidsson, who 
is very small in stature. He's very quick. He weaves in and out of people. His style of play is to rush the net, like you said, put the puck in the net. And so I think that that's maybe where this new system is going to be coming into play that's possibly going to benefit this team, hopefully, is people are are back to where their strengths are. Maybe somewhere along the way, this team lost confidence in themselves and where they were placed on the ice and whatever shift they were with, who they were playing with. I know there's a lot of switch up going back and forth, not really finding chemistry with certain players. And that's fine because that's what sports is. Sometimes you just have to take a few games, switch things up and see, see what works and see what doesn't. But in that first half of the season, we saw a lot of different line changes a lot of different times. And so I think maybe before Victor Arvidsson found comfort in his line mates and they weren't switched up as often. And so he was able to play his best hockey because he was placed where he needed to be placed. And so that's what I'm hopeful for with John Hines and his system is that he, he works through those things and he finds out where people fit in best and where they're playing their best game. And he, and he kind of runs with that. Right, so that we're consistently seeing those top few lines maybe tweaking things here and there, depending on game, on the game, the injuries, the opponent, et cetera. But we're starting to see people like Victor Arvidsson take more chances because when you got a player like that, who's you know the defenseman is almost double what he's shooting, that that doesn't add up, and that's not going to get you into the playoffs. It's not. It's it's definitely not, and. You know, I've never coached hockey. I will never pretend to know what goes on inside an NHL locker room. But every line should not have, you know, each line should not have a separate game plan in terms of the system. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. what Peter Laviolette really, I, I don't know if he emphasized it, but it was definitely, there was a definite game plan switch with each line, and you could tell that with one player, and that was Callie Arncroke. And that's because he had had a defensive role with Peter Laviolette until this year, and then he's told, hey, why don't you go score some goals? And he did. So good job to Callie mm-hmm. Arncroke. But um, did you like the Benino Arvidsson Grimaldi line? I mean, yes, I do. And But it's, it's so hard. It's hard to tell because. Going, like we just said, at the beginning of the season with all the switch-ups, it was kind of hard for not only for the players, but for us to find consistency and what we liked. And the second that we'd see something, we're thinking, oh, that seems like it's great. And then it was switched up on the next game, right? And so we're all kind of like, hmm, if it looks like it's working, why are we taking it away? Don't fix what's not broke. Exactly, exactly. So... I'm scared to say I like anything because. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I Rocco, that- Rocco Grimaldi, Nick Benino, and Victor Arvidsson are avid listeners to Buck Talk here in Greencastle, so they're taking everything you say as 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 gospel. And I think that was fantastic too. I mean, Nick Benino, he's just. I mean, he's really we're we're really 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 seeing what we wanted to see out of him for a while, and I think that he's one of those players that we're seeing he makes the people around him better. Grimaldi is the exact same way. So I'm glad that they're I'm glad to know they're tuning in right now. Hello guys. 
Yeah, no, Nick Benino read all the stuff we said about him last year, about him being lucky and all, so he, he's taken that to heart this year. He picked up his game a little bit. Yeah, he took with George Matarangas and Michael Wade very seriously, so he's been on a mission. As, as he should. On a mission this year. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, I mean... You know what you're talking about there. <laughs> I, I guess... What I want to see more out of the Preds is, like you said, just play hockey. Just be open. Mm-hmm. Be aggressive. Be fast. They weren't aggressive in the first half. And you could tell they were playing very mm-hmm. conservative. They were trying to stretch pass. They were doing basically anything and everything to, to I guess, not play hard, fast, loose, mistake-ridden hockey. So, mm-hmm. Glenn. But sometimes you got to risk. I mean, sometimes you've got to risk. You don't want to. You don't. You don't want to be chasing a game. You don't want to be chasing a team the entire game. And there are a lot of games where we saw that they weren't shutting the other team down in the neutral zone, and they were chasing, chasing, chasing. And that, I mean, that wears you out, and it also takes away time for you to be on the other end, rushing the net, taking chances. So, whew, it was it was a tough it was a tough first half of the season to watch. And and now, if this was a different team. If this was a team that maybe had one halfway, you know, not even a star player, just kind of like a mediocre player as their star, then okay, yeah, they're they're actually exceeding expectations. They're doing fine, <laughs> but they're not. They're made up of so many talented players. I mean, I could say that over and over because it's true. Um, and so, when you're expect when you're that good on paper, expectations are through the roof. And right now, they just haven't gotten there yet. Well, let's hopeful. Let let's hope they get there. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. But, folks, we have a couple more questions that we got to ask about hockey, and then Glenn and I are going to discuss the movie Cats. Oh, you were, you <laughs> are listening to ninety one point five WGRE, your sound alternative. And let me tell you something, folks. You're not going to want to miss this. Want to keep up to date with everything WGRE? We're on social media. Find us on Facebook, WGRE 91.5 FM, your sound alternative. Hit us up on Twitter at WGRE Radio for live updates on news and sports, as well as sports broadcasts. If you want to see what goes on behind the scenes, follow us on Instagram at WGRE Radio for all sorts of behind-the-scenes photos from your favorite WGRE DJs and specialty shows. We know you can't always listen to the radio, but you can always follow us on the internet. The mission of the Department of Public Safety is to provide for the overall safety and security of the university and its properties. Public Safety at DePaul offers several programs to the university community aimed at the education, awareness, and prevention of crime. Programs are available upon request to any student, organization, group, or other university community members. Programming is available for the following topics. Personal safety, sexual assault, alcohol, drug abuse, traffic safety, parking regulations, fire safety, 
death prevention, and emergency procedures. DePaul's public safety officers actively participate on campus committees aimed at the awareness, prevention, and education about alcohol and dangerous drugs. To contact public safety, call 765-658-5555. Public safety's goal is to maintain an environment that promotes academic excellence to its fullest potential. To its fullest potential. Welcome back to 91.5 WGRE. Currently here in Greencastle, it feels like 24 degrees. The actual temperature is 32, which means, guess what, folks? It's 24 degrees because that's how temperature works. If it feels like something, it is something. That's how temperature works. Don't tell me two different temperatures. Welcome back to Puck Talk with Spider Jack. Joining me on the call, Glenn Blackwell. We have talked everything Preds hockey per usual on this show. Once I have my partners, Axe and Coach Columbus, back in studio, we'll talk all things NHL. But because this is my show, we're going to talk to Predators because I like to talk about the Predators. So, Glenn, this year has been dubbed the Year of the Fan. And Mm -hmm. it has been... It has been the year of disappointment for Preds fans. Through and through. Mm-hmm. Underperforming. But mm-hmm. as a fan, other than more home ice victories, which of course would enhance the fan experience, what would make the year of the fan feel more tangible, feel more, I guess, authentic? That's a good question. Uh, maybe some more road wins, too? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, okay, I have to give the Preds credit. I love the idea of the year of the fan. I love the steps that they took at the arena to ensure that the fans had a good quality um, hockey experience and felt really part of something, right? But I think that for me right now, what would need to change would actually not be anything that the Predators or Bridgestone Arena could do, but more so the fans. I think it's totally fine, just like we're doing now, to discuss the team and where they're lacking and where they can do better. But I've been seeing so much negativity on social media about this team because they are underperforming. And so it's fine to, to post the reality, the stats, the numbers don't lie, but there has been a lot of just trash-talking and hating on this team, and it's coming from the same people that were cheering them on up until game six of the Stanley Cup final. And so I think it's just more of just, you know what, guys, let's all understand that sports are sports. They are never going to be perfect year in and year out. If you are a season ticket holder of this team, or you are a proud fan of this team, whether you're a season ticket holder or not, and this is the team that you choose to follow and support, give them your support because just trashing them on social media is the equivalent of just barging out in the second period of the arena because you don't like the score. So I think it's just show that support. Yeah, you can discuss it, talk about it, talk about changes you'd like to see. But don't trash talk the team, right? Like, that doesn't really unify us as fans, and it kind of dilutes the year of the fan experience, for me at least. 
um, because social media has become such a part of all of our lives. So it's kind of hard to stay away from it. <laughs> so I think just, you know, put on your positive pants and have a little faith in the team. What do you say, Jack? <laughs> well, I mean, even uh, you're ready for a Jonah Story type reference. Even oh, the yeah. Billy Madison Mud Dogs, even they had fans, <laughs> and even they supported them, even at their worst. Right. Even right. when the mascots right. and the cheerleaders were inebriated beyond repair, they still cheered for the Mud Dogs. So, Preds fans, right. you heard it here. Cheer for your Mud Dogs. It, it's just, I mean, Jack, it's like me. <laughs> I cheered for the Cats movie. <laughs> when everybody trash-talked the Cats movie... I've been watching the Cats musical since I was 12, so I support the Cats movie. Glenn, 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 give me nine minutes. Give me nine minutes of hockey talk. I promise we'll get to Cats. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me nine. Less than nine minutes, like eight minutes and 50 seconds. Give me eight minutes. The timing is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... I I completely agree, and I think that the statistics community has definitely gotten the attention of, obviously, Pred social media and has gotten uh, the attention of even some of the players, some of the... Some of the people in Fox Sports Tennessee with that whole situation with Chris Martell, they got... I mean, you talk about what's really a mess of a team and a kind of a mess of a fan base right now at least in terms of social media support i mean you you think about where this team was and where the fan base was three years ago and now we're in this sort of weird meta state that it's like we're it's like we're a monster truck in really deep mud we're just not going anywhere yeah, and, and like I said, you know, when we saw that during the Stanley Cup final run, there was such a sense of togetherness when the team was doing great. It's so easy to cheer for people when they're doing great. And it's so easy to go out in public and just scream to everybody that this is your team because they're on top of the world right now. But And you don't have to go out and scream and tell everybody that your team is inconsistent and they're not doing great, but just be very cautious of your words on social media because the guys on the team aren't exempt from emotions and feelings and that kind of stuff you know it it comes up and probably doesn't help their confidence level to be honest and i'm not saying they're reading everything but it is out there so just remember too from a human aspect that these guys are yes they're professional athletes and they're getting paid a lot of money to do their job but at the same time you know if people were watching us every day at work and on our very worst days, we're just hurling insults, it, it's a downer. So, so let's be supportive of our team, you know, and, you know, talk about, yeah, we can talk for hours about things that, that could be different, but just, just cutting the trash talk, you know, yeah, that's, not, yeah. that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything good for the year of the fan. That just brings us all down. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, I wrote an article last year right around playoff time. I mean, this was prime, inconsistent Preds play. Cheer for your mm-hmm. team. Cheer for your team. Mm-hmm. They may not be performing well. They may not have... They may not be firing on all cylinders. But like you said, these guys are human. Peter Laviolette mm-hmm. has a family. 
I'm sure a very nice family. I'm sure that he enjoys coming home every day to that family. You can criticize the system. You can criticize the way that, you know, the team is playing. You can criticize everything, mm-hmm. but never, ever make it personal. Never make it yep. personal. And that's, like you said, that's a lot of what's going on with social media. Uh, but objectively, this team almost won the Stanley Cup. Like, a lot of the same guys that are on this roster almost won the Stanley Cup. So, yep. there's an expectation that so- there's an expectation that has to be met. It's a two-way street, but still, these guys are human, and you need to treat them with respect. Yep. And that's why I do feel confident saying that, I mean, they can definitely turn this thing around, but they do not have a lot of time to do it. So a lot of, like like you said, a lot of this team made up that same team that everybody was behind a few years ago. So there really is, once the system is in place and these guys are confident, there's not much that can hold them back. So just every single team, every single sport, they're going to have the ups and downs. You're just going to. And if this turns out to be a year where they don't even make it into the playoffs, you know what? We're going to come back next season and we're going to watch this team go for it again. Because that's, I mean, that's sports, you know? That's reality. Yeah. And, you know, Pecorini is going to see a lot more action. UC Saros is going to see a lot more action. And as they play more games, I think they'll get more confident. They'll get a couple wins under their belt. They'll start playing like the way that they know how to play. And once the guys figure out that they can play in front of their goaltender and make mistakes in front of goaltender and won't get burned for it, that's Mm -hmm. when we'll see that October gear. That's when we'll see they press the nitrous button and they take off. Optimistically. And that's what I'm ready for. That's what I'm ready for. Optimistically. (laughs) No. But And I, I do. I hate that for Pecorino, and I hate that for Yusei Saros. I know that there are times in every goaltender's career that, yeah, they missed it. And you know what? It wasn't the fault of the defenseman or anybody in front of them. It was just a shot that they would want back. That kind of stuff happened to every goaltender. But also, the goaltender is supposed to be, his role is to be the very last line of defense. And so once that system is set up properly in front of him, and like I said earlier, everybody is playing in the role that they're supposed to be playing in because they're playing their best hockey there, then that's when you're going to start to see a lot of that pressure relieved from Yusei Saros and Pecorine where they can play their best hockey too. So hopeful. I like the, I like the vision that you gave me when you, when you said that. I just imagined this rocket just going across... <laughs> Die. Like Orion Ellis rocket ship, but going straight <laughs> towards the net. Well, I mean, if I had to relate this in any way, because I'm a catcher on the DePaul baseball team here, and in the fall. You're so talented. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop <laughs> it. I am a fifth string. I'm a fifth string bullpen catcher, Glenn. I am not. I, I am not as good as I'm advertised. But in the fall, I got hit by a car. And. I tried to just immediately jump back into fall ball. And let me tell you something, Glenn. I airmailed 
every single baseball from the catcher position to the second base. I airmailed every single one into the outfield. I didn't make one accurate throw the entire time during the fall. So you know what I said? I said, okay, I'm going to take a step back. I'm not going to touch a baseball. I'm not going to think about a baseball. I'm just going to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I've started mm-hmm. throwing again, and I've gotten more confident, and now I can make that throw because I took some time off, I reset the momentum, and I just psyched myself up. Like, I am so excited to go to baseball. I'm so excited to make that throw. I can't wait. And if we see that kind of change in the Preds locker room, like, I can't wait Every single time for my skates to hit the ice. I can't wait to fight for the dirty areas. I can't wait mm-hmm. to make the other team fear Bridgestone Arena. And I really can't wait to watch the goaltenders tremble every time we enter the slot. I can't wait for that. Mm-hmm. If they take that mentality, like you said, they're going to crush it. And you know what didn't crush it, Glenn? What? What didn't crush it? Cats at the box office. Oh, no. Did you really go there? Glenn, we're going to take a 13-second break, and we're just going to dive right in. Let's do it. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE discussing the movie Cats. Coming up next. Hi, this is your president, Mark McCoy, and you're listening to WGRE. Thanks, Mark. Back at it. Glenn, first question. What did you enjoy about cats? Oh, where do I start, Jack? Okay, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm about to get really, really specific here. Ooh, okay. Like I mentioned, I think I was probably 12 when I first saw the musical live. So I've I've loved it, and I've seen it a few times since then. Loved it most all my life. So, watching the movie, there was a there's a piece, a very key piece in this movie that did not exist in in the play. And normally, I would think, oh, don't do that, don't don't mess with that play. <laughs> but <laughs> the star, the star dancer, Victoria the White Cat, she finally gets a song in the movie. And she didn't have one in the play. She was the only cat that didn't have a song. And so in the movie, this is the song that Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber, Webber wrote together. She, we get to hear her song that is a response to the song Memory that everybody knows. So Memories! <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. I'm going to see if you got this right. No. <laughs> so getting a... <laughs> I love talking cat, about cats. You know cats. that my cat just looked at the phone. My cat just looked at the phone. Um, so we got a song from Victoria, and it was and it's called Beautiful Ghost, and it's a beautiful... It's a beautiful response to the song Memory, because the song Memory is about, you know, the sad, old, ruggedy cat is looking back on her younger days and she's sad because she used to have a great life and people loved her and now she's ugly and nobody loves her which they're cats i know but this other cat got dumped out from a truck a family dropped her off and nobody loved her 
And so she's looking at the sad old cat singing, feeling sorry for herself. And she's like, look, at least she used to have a good life. At least you have beautiful memories, beautiful ghosts. And it's beautiful. So that was my favorite part. You should really watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to phrase this question in the best way possible. What could have been better about cats? Okay, there's a lot, actually. <laughs> um, I definitely did not rate this movie five stars. <laughs> Tell us why, Glenn. So, what could have been a lot better is the cinematography. The way that they filmed a lot of these dance scenes, the whole idea of cats is when you're sitting in the audience and you're watching, you're watching an entire stage full of cats dancing. God, this is my dream. Um, <laughs> and so you're watching all of them at once. So there's a lot of stuff to look at, but they're all dancing in sync. On the movie, a lot of it, those dance scenes were then kind of like zoomed in on one cat and then zoomed in on another cat. So it kind of took away from the whole dance scene because you weren't really seeing them dance as a whole a lot um kind of towards the end of the movie they picked up on doing that and you know i i'd like to say they took my advice but they didn't um <laughs> but they started to finally you know film it the way that we watch it from the audience at the theater so that i think could have been a lot better and i think that the costumes could have been tweaked tweaked because they were a little off tweaked mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I loved yeah. about Cats? I, I, and I, I do mean this with all sincerity. I love that they took attractive people. I would call Jason Derulo and Taylor Swift attractive people. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I yeah. love how they good. took attractive people and just said, nah. <laughs> nah. We don't need it. It'll sell. We don't need it. Let's see how creepy we can make them look. Let's see. <laughs> okay. It, and I, I, I got to know, because I know that you love the musical Cats, and believe me, I would never trash something that people love just for the sake of trashing it, unless, of course, I didn't like mm -hmm. the person. But if you were directing mm -hmm. Cats, would you have just put them in plain cat costumes, or would you have tried to do the CGI? <laughs> I would have done exactly what they did in the musical. Just put I them in cat. Put them in actual costumes. Yes, with the leotards, the makeup, all of that for filming. It wouldn't have been that hard to do. Um, the CGI was not good. <laughs> that is where it was very, very distracting for a lot of people, including myself. And I love cats. But I was looking at them throughout the movie, and I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh. When they're on stage, they look fantastic. They look beautiful. And then on the movie, you're just thinking, that is a person. But, you know, <laughs> when you're looking at them on stage in the musical, they're these delicate, graceful ballerina cats. So I would, if, ugh, if I were directing, um, maybe I can just speak this out into the universe and speak it out into existence. Yeah. I will direct one day my own version of cats. <laughs> <laughs> I would 100% put them in the cat costumes with the ballet leotard. Okay. You know how like when you go to like a child's birthday party? And you have, like, the mm -hmm. makeup artist there that, like, paints the face, like, yes, the kids' faces at cats. Cat face. <laughs> Why didn't they hire just a bunch of those guys 
and just put them in cat costumes. Do you think that they would have looked better with that than they did the CGI? Anything would have looked better than what they did with the CGI. <laughs> Any, if they had put them in like a Target $5 cat onesie, I'm talking Ralphie <laughs> a Christmas Story type cats, that would have been more believable than Jason Derulo's face on like like a it was like a cardboard cutout. It was the weirdest experience just looking at everything. I have to honestly agree with you there. It was very, very distracting. <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of people couldn't even give the movie a second thought while they were watching it because they were only watching for that, right? Because you see him and you're like, oh my gosh, that doesn't even look right. That doesn't look real. You look like this weird hybrid. You're not... You're not a cat, but oh my God, you're a, you're a person. It's just that part I did not like. Six would, million dollars. Totally changed that. I know, and that's where I get so confused as to why you didn't, because you have the exact same cast for the whole movie for the duration of filming, so you get everybody a costume that fits, and you hire a makeup team. You could have three makeup artists come on set and do their makeup every day. You it happens because they do it in the theater. They've been doing it in the theater for decades. <laughs> so. I mean, you, you talk about a dedicated fan base. They ripped the creators of Sonic the Hedgehog's new movie. They ripped that apart when the first trailer came out. Why did nobody oh, yeah. speak up about cats? I know. I know. I tried, but I wasn't loud enough. <laughs> they didn't listen. I what? guess I should have posted a picture of my cat along with it (laughs) (laughs) okay and uh, they confirmed this and I just think it's the most ridiculous thing ever they had Idris Elba Judy Dench Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Judy Dench like Judy Dench they had Judy Dench Mm -hmm. Idris Elba (laughs) and Ian McKellen they had those three actors go to cat school Yep, they did. Just off Taylor the cuff. Taylor Swift went to cat school. Off the cuff. <laughs> Although Taylor Swift going to cat school, she said felt just right. She actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, she I, I she mean, was only supposed to have a. She said she was only supposed to have a few days there, and she ended up staying for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Jason Derulo, Taylor Swift, fine. Send them to cat school. You go learn to act mm-hmm. like cats. But Shakespearean actors, Jidentch. <laughs> And Ian McKellen and Idris Elba, who was supposed to be the next James Bond. You're going to tell those people you need to go to cat school. Hey, they they had to. You know what? They're such great performers. They probably wanted to go because they wanted to know how cats move. They're very, very... (laughs) Have you ever watched a cat for a long period of time like I have? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Objectively, here's what I you know, if I was the director of cats, here's Maybe the note. I'm jealous. I want to go to cat school. <laughs> here's the note I would have given Ian McKellen, Jitta Dench, and Idris Elba if I was mm-hmm. the director. I would say, Hey, go get a cat and look at it. Just observe it all day long. That's all you need to do. Just not even not even like consecutive days, just one day. If you want to well, film the cats, you can go back. Dude, Ian McKellen took cat school way too seriously. 
that just shows how dedicated of a performer, you know? I mean... Not... They're not they're not too full of themselves. They're not too cocky. They're not above going to learn how to be a cat. Jack? <laughs> What's you know, wrong I, with just create, saying? If I, if I create a cat school, you know what I would call it? What would you name it? DePaul University. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! I love don't be it. Surprised if, don't be surprised if in 2021 you see advertisements online for that university. I, I will gladly I'll drop out of this DePaul University and attend <laughs> your <laughs> DePaul University. That is so funny, Perfect. dude. <laughs> Folks, you are so lucky we decided to spare you of the puns. But, I mean, I'm sorry. I can't ever watch Cats again because I saw Ian McKellen as Macbeth. I saw Judy Dench in 007 movies. And now I gotta I, I have to muster up the kind of courage to watch them walk around like cats. But do you feel like you would feel less like that had they not have looked so creepy and computer animated. Like, it would have changed the experience for you a little, right? If they were if, just dressed if it, as... If it was legitimate cats. makeup on and they were, you know, actually acting like cats instead of, like, weird mm -hmm. human-cat hybrids that for some reason walk yeah. on their hind legs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I bet they did, they did not learn that in cat school. They had to walk on all fours in cat school. I know. I can guarantee it. <laughs> just arch your back it's and lick lot. your legs. It's a lot to take in, I know. Just, I know. just arch your back and lick your legs. That's all you got to do at cat school. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> I think we need to have a cat watch party. I'm going to call JB. And <laughs> Well, he likes actual cats. I don't know that he likes the movie. I don't think he's seen it. He, he, well, he'll host. He'll host it. We'll all we'll yeah. we'll all go out to JB's house and watch Cats the movie. Yeah, Glenn, at this so-called cat party, are you going to be the person that like throws popcorn at people laughing and talking during the movie? Like, hey, shut up! I'm watching cats. Um. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I will have ear. I will have earplugs that are connected to the television <laughs> by Bluetooth, by Bluetooth, to where I can't hear any of y'all. I can just do the movie. I'll sing along and I'll have my horse blinders on and I'm not looking at any of you. We can hang out after the movie. I'll be very busy. <laughs> and you know what, hockey fans, here's what I'll tell you. Be like Glenn because even in the face of the worst box office bomb. I mean worse than Will Ferrell as Sherlock Holmes box office bomb. <laughs> Glenn is sticking to her guns. She's saying Cats, while not great, was still enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Support your team. Support, Support your team. Your team. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is that is quite possibly the funniest thing anybody has ever said on this, <laughs> on this show. Oh. Glad I had the honor. Oh my gosh. It's that it's fun with you, Jack. It's great. You know, Glenn, I, I miss Tennessee a little more every single day, every time that I, I talk to somebody from Penalty Box Radio, and you have made me so homesick today. 
Oh, we'll come back soon because we miss you too. To be honest, I miss not having you in the studio. Oh, you miss your my little, uh, little, uh, just unadulterated shenanigans me. all the time. Yes, you laughing at me when I say something I didn't realize I said. You, <laughs> um, you picking on me like I miss all of that. The in between, the in between recordings, I miss. So come back and do that soon. Oh, f- <laughs> folks, I can't. Of memories s- just flooded your mind, huh? Folks, I can't say what she said on the air, but I know. I know. <sighs> folks, I remember I, you have the memory. Folks, I, oh, <laughs> bam. <laughs> Folks, I, I got to get off the phone before I repeat what she said on the air. You're listening to 91.5 yep. WGRE. Glenn, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Up next, we got Chase McCabe, Assistant Program Director at ESPN's 102.5 The Game. Just bringing all of 102.5 The Game here. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE. AP News. I'm Ed Donahue. AP News. This is Coach Nick. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE Greencastle, your sound alternative and your home for all Tiger sports. Go Tigers. You gotta love it. Go Tigers. You gotta love it. Welcome back to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Joining me on the call right now is the Assistant Program Director at ESPN's 1025 The Game, based out in Nashville, Tennessee. He is the co-host of Darren, Donick, and Chase, weekdays from 10 to 2. Chase and Touchdown Friday at 6 on ESPN's 1025 The Game. He's a Preds reporter, and his opinions are his own. Chase McCabe, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I appreciate it. Great intro. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been practicing because I, I really want to intern at the studio in uh, the summer, so I'm glad I was able to finally get, get you on here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. All right, Chase, let's get right into Preds. If you missed the last hour, Glenn Blackwell and I talked about it, but I asked her, is playing a lot of back-to-back games here, a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of back-to-back series, is this going to bode well for this Preds team, or is this just going to be a big, big mess in the back half of the season? It's a very good question, and I, you know, I don't have a great answer for it, just because this team has been so hot and cold as the season has gone on. I mean, it's it's been up and down. They've consistently been inconsistent. So, um, <laughs> I, I would like to think that maybe getting into a little bit of a rhythm, which I think has has been good in the past, will be uh, will be good for them. Yeah, you know, they've had six games now under John Hines after replacing Peter Laviolette. So now his system is starting to get in place, and then. They have a week off to just kind of collect themselves, get away from hockey. You know, I've seen some posts on Instagram of, of players at the beach and, you know, or skiing or something, you know, just with their families and trying to get away from it all. And so I, I kind of feel like it was good timing for that. And so it could be that, you know, they start playing these back-to-backs and have a condensed schedule and uh, all of a sudden things really start to pick up for them. So time will tell, but they got to get, they have to get better defensively, and they have to get these superstars that they pay a lot of money to to start scoring goals. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, sort of going off of that, what do you think contributes to the lack of mental resiliency on this Preds team? Because we'll see about 20 minutes of fantastic hockey in the first period, and then for the next 40 minutes, it's like they're chasing the game. Yeah, they, they, they take their foot off the gas or whatever analogy you want to use, and then they admit it after the game and say, you know, we – we just kind of laid back a little bit, and, you know, we can't do that. Well, then why are you doing it? I mean, that's that's what I don't understand, and I, I think that's 
one reason that led to a change in, in leadership and change in, in the head coach. And, and that wasn't necessarily on Peter Laviolette, so to speak. But, you know, when you have one message that's being delivered, you know, over the course of five and a half years, you know, with the same group mainly that maybe they stopped listening. And so now you have a different message that John, uh, John Hines has brought in, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, and, um, you know, they can they can start to pay attention to that. So I want to see what this group looks like after the break because either you're going to see more of the same or I think you see a difference um, that they've had time to process, you know, what, whatever John Hines has been preaching. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that it changes things and mentally they're able to uh, kind of get out of this funk. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping so. And speaking of getting out of funk, we have the player that I'm most fixated on right now is Victor Arvidsson because Victor Arvidsson isn't even in the top five in shots on goal. He's, you know, 11 goals in 35 games. Not exactly terrible, but it's certainly not the Victor Arvidsson we're used to sh- to seeing. Excuse me. And, you know, with John Hines' system, it's take the right shot overtaking a lot of shots and I think that Victor Arvidsson's game really kind of revolves around taking as many shots as possible so do you think that John Hines' system is going to hurt Victor Arvidsson in the long run or do you think it's going to help him? I think that's a good observation by you because you're spot on that um, that's how he's made his career. He's just, you know, you shoot it towards the net and hope for the best and there are a lot of players like that. I mean, Victor Arvidsson um, has made a career on it but you know, I think what John Hines is going to do is he's going to put a system in place. Well, then he's going to evaluate his players and see what's been working, you know, maybe what worked the old way and what's working the new way, and then adapt. Um, because the great coaches, in my opinion, are the ones that they adapt to their players and not make their players adapt to their system. And so I, I think this is all part of that process. And we may not see the answer this year. You know, I think fans need to look at this as maybe they make the playoffs and maybe they don't, but you've made the change now and and there are going to be probably some other changes at some point with, with personnel, but they may not be able to do that until the off season for Victor Arvidsson specifically, there's definitely another level to his game and what's going to separate him from being, you know, good to, to great is figuring it out. And, you know, he does need to adjust some and, so while you can you can adjust to him and you can put him in a position to succeed, he's got to meet you in the middle somewhere. And you know from what I've seen from him in the past, I mean, remember when he first came up, he he hardly did anything, and then he goes back to Milwaukee and he he uh, hones his skills a little bit, and then he comes back and he's one of the leading scorers on the team. I think he can get back to doing that. It's just adapting and putting in the work, and and he's going to have to do that. Yeah, no kidding. And um, Chase, I, I'm. I'm <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm really upset that I can't have you for longer, but, you know, I'm 19 years old and I don't know how to communicate, so I'm just going to try and, like, squeeze in a lot of personality right here. You are a big Braves guy. I am. Yeah, and Marcelo Zuna just signed with the team, like, today. Like, oh, I am, and I'm pumped for it. Let me tell you. He was such a key contributor to the Cardinals. I got to ask, the Braves... I thought the Braves that after a couple of years ago were just going to start falling off, but they are just right back in the mix with a lineup as loaded with Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna. Are the Braves going to win the East this year? Oh, I think so. I think they'll win it again. And look, the window's wide open now. Um, they They have a lineup 
that I think can rival anyone. I like the pitching rotation. I mean, I know Cole Hamels is not the same Cole Hamels as he used to be, but the young pitchers in front of him. And by the way, they're bringing King Felix, Felix Hernandez, to spring training. Yeah. That's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't even know if he makes the team, but it's low risk. You know, why not bring him in, see what he's got left in the tank. And and then all the other moves, they signed Will Smith was their first big signing of the offseason. They needed help in the in the bullpen, got one of the best relievers in the game in him, so um and brought some guys back that I think will help him in the bullpen. And now with Ozuna, I mean think about that outfield. You'll have Ozuna in left, you're gonna put in Ciarte in center and Acuna in right field and your backups are Duvall and Marcakis. I mean you're gonna have to use Marcakis's bat at some point after they decided to bring him back. So uh and not to mention the infield. The only question I have right now with the Braves will be third base. Is it going to be Camargo? Is it going to be Austin Riley? Are they are they done? Are they going to go acquire somebody else? So um, I, I feel good as a Braves fan. I, I was actually looking at the schedule, trying to figure out how I can get to uh, opening night in Atlanta against the Miami Marlins on uh, April 3rd and then get back for the Preds season finale against the, uh, the Wild the next day. So <laughs> trying to figure that out. But uh, definitely excited about Braves baseball. Well, hopefully when the Wild starts playing like the Wild and we know that the Marlins aren't going to do well, you might ha- be, have a very successful and fun weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I would ask you who replaces Josh Donaldson, but you just kind of answered a little bit with Austin Riley. But, um, you know, is there a free agent guy? Because Todd Frazier just went on the market. Yeah, I mean, that's somebody they could look at as a veteran. He's obviously not the, the same Todd father as he used to be. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite players to never play for the Braves. I loved watching him in Cincinnati. But since that All-Star year, I mean, he just hasn't been the same. So um, possibility for sure. But I, I, think they want the, I think they want to see what they have in Austin Riley. If he's ready, if Camargo can hold it down for a couple months and then Austin Riley can come back up because he, he had a great debut for the Braves last season, but then I think pitchers started to figure him out, and uh, he needs to just work on that a little bit before he becomes the everyday third baseman. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a Mets fan, I I am well acquainted with the name Chipper Jones, and if I had to say my favorite player growing up outside of David Wright, of course, you know, the true National League king of third base, I would say it would be mm. Chipper Jones. <laughs> well, that's, hey, that's saying a lot coming from a Mets guy, but uh, that is Larry Wayne Jones Jr. to you, sir, uh, <laughs> the greatest third baseman ever, in my opinion. Well, I in mean, my opinion is all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your favorite player growing up? Like, obviously, you got to throw, throw the name Chipper in there, but, yeah. like, in terms of around the league, watching different players from different teams, who was the guy other than Larry Wayne Jr., excuse me? Yeah, I mean, and I hated the Yankees. I, I hated the Yankees with a passion, but I always love and respected Derek Jeter. So, you know, yesterday was pretty exciting for him to get into the Hall of Fame, which everybody knew he was. He's a first ballot. Uh, I want to find the one guy that didn't vote for him. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think okay. that... You know, I, I think you have to look at Jeter. But, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, there were a ton of fun players that you could get behind. I mean, King Griffey Jr. was one of them. Uh, you know, really enjoyed watching him. So uh, Mariano Rivera was another Yankee. But um, I, I think there were a few. But probably if I had to pick one other than Chipper, 
It would probably be Jeets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you can't ignore the leadership and the intangibles that Derek Jeter brought to the New York Yankees. And thankfully, he was voted in. It should have been unanimous, but it wasn't. Now, yeah. la- last question before I, I know you got to go. And this is going to be controversial. Should okay. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens be in the Hall of Fame? Ooh, um, it is controversial, but <laughs> I'm going to say we we actually talked to Richard Justice from MLB.com earlier today, and I thought his rationalization behind it was pretty spot on. Roger Clemens did enough in Boston to to warrant being in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds had hit over 400 home runs with Pittsburgh before going to San Francisco, before allegedly juicing up. He had done enough to get in the Hall of Fame. I I don't know if you, you put an asterisk, if you put him in a different wing, but yes, I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think Mark McGuire should too. Well, I, I mean, there you go. There you go, folks. Barry Bond should be in the Hall of Fame because unlike the Astros, who knew what pitch was coming every single time, Barry Bonds nope. was the best hitter of all time. It was. I mean, in you can't keep a guy out. I mean, Kurt Schilling has had to go through this process because he's a jerk and people don't like him on Twitter. <laughs> like that shouldn't have anything to do with it. You know, it, it it's all about you on the field. It's so, a, it's the Baseball Hall of Fame, not the Baseball Hall of Purity. As right. sad as that is to say. Exactly. Exactly. So that's my that's my thoughts on it. Well, Chase, I know that it was short, and I really wish I could have brought you on for longer, but thank you so much for joining me today. It was, been, it was an absolute honor. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, and I'll come on again, and we'll, uh, we'll talk longer, but I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks, Chase. Uh, we're going to take a really quick break here. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative.